Welcome to GBMA Education's Biosimilar Podcast Series. Advances in biological medicines have supported substantial improvements in the lives of many Australians, living with a range of illnesses such as rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease and cancer. If the registration, adoption and ongoing use of biosimilar medicine increases in Australia, this could result in broader access to biological medicines under the Pharmaceutical Benefit Scheme or funding for new healthcare treatments. In this first episode in a series of 12 podcasts, Professor Brendan Murphy, Chief Medical Officer for the Australian Government, will explore the safety, efficacy and economic benefits of biosimilar medicines in Australia. Welcome, Professor Murphy, and thank you for participating in GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast. Firstly, can you comment about the PBS in relation to biological and biosimilar medicines? I'm concerned about the future capacity of the pharmaceutical benefits scheme, the PBS, to take on the long pipeline of exciting new drugs that are undergoing evaluation. The PBS has for many, many years operated on a principle that any savings in the PBS go back into the PBS to fund new and expanded uh, listings. That is such an important principle and it's allowed the PBS over the last years to take on things like the hepatitis C drugs, which have been an extraordinary world-leading initiative. So it's so important for all Australian doctors to do their bit to try and get the most cost-effective prices on the PBS. Biological drugs produced by the originators who've done the research, they deserve a good return on investment for their product and the work that they've done, and the patent system provides that protection for them. They can get good prices appropriate for the R&D they've done. But once the patent protection's off, they have a right to continue in the market, but so do others. And unless we have good competition from biosimilars in the market, we won't get the global downward cost pressure on the price of biologicals. That is so important for the PBS and for all doctors in Australia who want to continue our history of taking new and better drugs as they become available onto the PBS and making them available for all Australians. Can you comment about the registration process for biosimilar medicines in Australia? I'm very confident about the process undertaken by the TGA before registering any new drug in the Australian market. The TGA will look at a biosimilar with great rigour and want to be fully reassured that the manufacturing standards, the quality control and particularly the evidence of clinical efficacy is there. TGA is one of the best regulators in the world and they wouldn't register a drug unless they were very confident that it was entirely safe and effective. Can you comment on your views on the appropriate use of biosimilar medicines? So I think evidence from around the world is that a single switch for most patients is tolerated pretty well um, and they cope with that and obviously a choice of a biosimilar as a, one of the initiated drugs is also available to all specialists. I don't think anybody's saying that patients who would have difficulty switching should be switched or that people should have multiple switches over the course of treatment. But I think we just have to be reasonable and, as I said, give a fair share of the market to the biosimilars. And that means proper consideration of them as an initial drug and, in some cases, considering switching. Have you noticed any differences in outcomes between the biosimilar and the reference product? Clearly, some clinicians 
are worried about the fact that a biological drug produced in a slightly different way might have some very subtle biological differences. They're not going to be structurally absolutely identical, but all of the evidence that I've seen is that that is irrelevant. The functional similarity, the efficacy of the drugs is just the same, and the immunogenicity of the biologicals, whether they be originated drugs or biosimilars, is not, not distinguishably different. So, in my view, those safety concerns were legitimate in the early days, but the accumulation of evidence over the years has shown that they're unfounded. What information would you give a patient about switching to a biosimilar medicine? In my experience, patients have great faith in their doctors. And if the doctor expresses confidence that the switch is safe and clinically effective and that it's good for the system and will promote you know, the use of more drugs and getting more drugs on the PBS, patients are generally very receptive to that. They like honest discussions. Can you comment on the PBAC and broadening indications for biological medicines? The PBAC is always looking at revised indications if uh, sponsors want to put them to the PBAC. And the PBAC works on a cost-effective model. So anything that brings down the global price of a product, a biological product, makes the cost-effectiveness argument stronger for broadening of indications. So in general, uh, a reduction in price strengthens the case that could be made to the PBAC for a broadening of indications. What guarantee do we have that savings made from biosimilar medicine use will be reinvested back into the PBS? I can reassure health professionals that savings will be reinvested in the PBS because that's a core principle of the PBS funding that's operated for many years and for many governments. That's one of the principles we've adhered to. That's why the savings that have been made in recent years from price disclosure and other measures have been reinvested in things like the billions of dollars in hepatitis C drugs and the many anti-cancer drug. The Department of Health is absolutely committed to that principle of reinvestment of PBS and it's in everybody's interest to keep that principle going because it finds room for new and better drugs. What would you say to your colleagues who have yet to use a biosimilar medicine? I would say to my colleagues who are reticent or have yet to try a biosimilar to look at the data. The data is really strong now, not just the overseas data, but the experience from those Australian gastroenterologists, rheumatologists and others who have been using biosimilars for some years and have found them to be just as effective and just as safe. Talk to your colleagues, but look at the data, particularly the European data, which really shows now that there is no clinical disadvantage or patient safety disadvantage from using a biosimilar. What is your main driver to promote the uptake of biosimilar medicines? So the main driver for me to promote the uptake of biosimilars is to get a fair market share to produce downward cost pressure on biologicals prices so that we can reinvest in the PBS to spend those savings on all the wonderful new drugs that are lining up to be assessed by the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee. Thank you, Professor Murphy, for joining us. We appreciate your time. For those listening online, the next podcast in our series by GBMA Education will be with Professor Paul Bird, who will provide insights into his experience with biosimilar medicines in rheumatology. If you would like to know more about biosimilar medicines in Australia, please visit the Biosimilar Hub 
at www.biosimilarhub.com.au.